0: Welcome to Behind the Sofa. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Sofa. My name's Ollie, and I'm Kirsty. And this week we are talking about George A. Romero's uh, Martin. It's a it's a funny <laughs> one. It's a funny name. Just Martin. It's just like good
1: old Martin. Get
0: old Martin. You know, from down the road. Um, <laughs> So, how you been?
1: Oh, good. Um, do you want to do some quick updates first?
0: You can. If there's yeah. I, the fact that I don't know that there are any updates uh. is uh, is a good sign. So yeah, go for it.
1: Well, there's not too many updates. You can still find us everywhere. So Instagram and Facebook at TV Party. Oh, TV Party. Oh my God, that's Ooh, a flashback. God. Wow.
0: Wow, you're not even on the show. Why are you, no, what are you right? saying T V party Anyway, go on. T V <laughs> Party, for anyone that doesn't know, is the name of the podcast that I'm currently doing with uh my good buds Sam and Charlie. But there you go. That's for another day.
1: <laughs> anyway, try that again. Uh you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Behind the Sofa Podcast. Um and by the time this comes out, uh we're we're actually recording on a slightly different day because it's gonna be Ollie's birthday. Ollie's-
0: big boy birthday how old am I
1: uh, far too old
0: (laughs) oh I see trade him in for a younger model
1: no Um, so yeah please come over and see us on social media on Facebook and Instagram come and wish Ollie a happy birthday come and uh, watch the episodes of Martin and yeah happy birthday
0: thank you (laughs) Um, yeah all gifts anything like that it's all welcome so you know uh, keep me sweet. I like mm-hmm. I like peanut butter, I like chocolate, whatever you whatever you whatever you think is right. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you how you have to buy me gifts. Um but anyway, uh, I think we should just crack straight on yeah. and talk about Martin because this is number ninety-seven no, on our 98? No, 98. ninety-eight. I'm already I'm cocking it up, calling it <laughs> T V party, calling it Martin. <laughs> Sorry um, guys. It's uh number ninety-eight mm-hmm. on our list of number of uh, our top one hundred horror movies of all time. Uh, It's the first George Romero movie.
1: And the first George Romero-Tom Savini collaboration. Ever. And, yeah, uh, well, and the first one on the list. I would need to check to see if it's ever. I think it is. I think it is ever.
0: I think it is the first time that they worked together.
1: Yeah. And it's the first one on the list that we've come to that neither of us have seen before or even really heard of before, right?
0: No, I'd heard of it. I'd definitely heard of it. It was back in the day. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you how long I would spend scanning the horror movie sections of HMV and Virgin or Zavvi or wherever the hell, R-Price.
1: Tower Records. Now you really are showing you Sam,
0: Sam Goody. <laughs> um, all of those. Uh, and I would see it. And, you know, back in the day, I felt like I was just, I would only go for things I'd heard of. So Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead. But also- I'd al- always seen it. And I'd always thought, mm, maybe one day when I'm recording a podcast with a...
1: But, I mean, if you've seen the covers that we've been putting up, like, we've been posting, there's a couple that are, like, sort of stylistic wording like um, and things like that, but there's not really a huge amount that's, like, properly gore-filled or anything that would grab a young Ollie's it, horror uh, the, lover the version I,
0: The version that I always remember seeing on the shelves was just, like, a plain black... And then it just had red words Martin, and I feel like there's a the T becomes a cross... well, a tea, all T's become crosses, but you understand this what I mean. one looks more like a cross. Yeah, too. and it was kind of that was all it was. So it was nothing Maybe that kind of goes against it because spoilers
1: We love this artwork as
0: well. Well, yeah, but spoilers, I fucking love this movie and mm-hmm. I'm surprised that more people have not heard of it or mm-hmm. seen it. Um and it sometimes I do think it must just be down to things like the artwork it doesn't immediately grab you or you know the trailer is not exactly the most interesting all those kinds of things i feel like they just because a film the film is quality so let's just go into it so have you got a little synopsis for us i
1: do so um so it was originally like when we were looking at art to try and make sure we got all the facts straight um there was a little sort of discrepancies between which year it actually came out some places were saying 76 some 77 some 78 I think it was that it was shot in 1977 and it came out early 1978. So all the way through this, it's giving me stuff that I didn't even know that I wanted, which is just like sweet 70s interiors and clothing and yeah all of that so we'll get into that as well but like this is the first sort of 70s movie the other ones we've done have been within the last like 15 years so we're getting like classic 70s horror which I'm loving so. I loved
0: it because it had that kind of uh, sweet 70s style I think you got to think back to things like uh, Mean Streets and Taxi Driver they've got that real like 1970s stank on it yeah. where you can really you can smell the, the alleyways and the houses and I was like yeah it's down and grimy we've not seen anything like this yeah. so far so. So that was cool.
1: Yeah, like Martin basically comes in uh, the first time that you see him. He's on a train and he's coming. I think they mention it later on. He's coming from like Indianapolis, which I I would need to do a bit of research to see what kind of place Indianapolis was. But we get the idea that it's like a little bit more quiet than where he's heading to. So he heads to Pittsburgh um, and like a little suburb outside of Pittsburgh, which seems a bit grittier, a bit more city, a bit harder in areas.
0: Yeah, I think is it called Braddock? Yeah braddock, braddock pennsylvania. pennsylvania
1: so anyone listening from braddock pennsylvania please feel free to get in touch with us and let us know what what your does your town have a is vampire like?
0: problem is yeah <laughs> there... can you relate
1: yeah so so Martin it turns out is actually going to um hang out with his hang out. He's going to go and stay with his granduncle. Although he mentions that he's his cousin, which is a bit strange, but then might also add into like the the story that they've got going on. It's
0: funny because when his granduncle first turns up, um you would not be uh you could be mistaken for saying that his grand uncle is Colonel Sanders. I literally
1: wrote that down. <laughs> I literally wrote that down. I said that he looked like um, uh, like a cross between Colonel Sanders and like uh Richard Attenborough's character for Jurassic Park. Yeah,
0: he's like he looks like a real like dandy southern gentleman, but he <laughs> he does not sound like a. He sounds like the sort of person that a dandy southern gentleman might uh discriminate against. Yeah, or call some sort of slur. But yes. there you go.
1: So, um, yeah, so he goes and meets him, uh, and uh, he's taken into his, like, granduncle's house, uh, who's, uh, whose name is Kuda, uh, or Tata Kuda, which is um, grandfather in um, in Lithuanian, apparently, because he is Lithuanian Catholic. And uh, he takes him into his house, and it's instantly... Um, oh, wait.
0: I was going to say, you missed, feel like you, you completely missed, missed the, part, you, the, the you main the, part on the train. <laughs>
1: i am so sorry uh so going back onto the train before he meets colonel sanders on the train platform we have um martin spots a woman getting onto the train it's a sleeper so they've all got their own little cabins um on the train and um he sort of stalks her he looks you see him like clock which cabin number she's in or cabin letter um, and then he sort of preps everything, doesn't he, for uh, getting getting ready for his attack? So
0: yeah, so he basically attacks her with a hypodermic needle full of some sort of sedative, and then proceeds to, I guess, rape her. Mm-mm-mm. And Mm-mm-mm. no, no. Yeah. He
1: mentions... No, he mentions it, oh, he was, like, not the sexy stuff, so no, it's no, like no, a no. weird he intimacy thing. No, wrong. Really?
0: 100% wrong. Okay. He mentions that he doesn't do sexy stuff with people when they're awake.
1: Mm. Okay. Yes. That makes it even creepier.
0: Yeah, exactly. So he basically rapes this unconscious woman and then slices her wrist with a razor blade and drinks the blood. Um... Many other things happen. He goes and stays at the house with, uh, with Kuda and his cousin. Yeah. No, wait. Kuda is his cousin. No. Despite Cuda the fact that Kuda is his Cuda...
1: granduncle and his no,
0: he's his cousin because he says
1: Christina's no, grandfather.
0: No, it's his cousin because the whole thing is like Kuda owns this general store, and he's like, oh, my cousin's coming to work with me, and they like, oh, and all the old ladies are like, oh, so another old guy's going to come work here, and he's like, no, he's young. He's a young guy. Yes, yeah. that's, that's true.
1: But then everything that we that I've been reading everywhere else is like refers to him as his grand uncle. So it may be literally because I mean, it it mentions later on, you know, that like you're spending the entire movie trying to work out basically if Martin is like a, a psychopath and a killer or uh, and like clearly has something wrong with him, or if he's a vampire. So it could literally be he is my grand uncle but he's at or or he's actually my cousin because I am actually eighty four years old and I'm not like
0: but, well I, I feel like it like in most cases I feel like I'm right.
1: <laughs> Such a jerk.
0: Because just cause it's your birthday
1: weekend. <laughs> I'm
0: just uh Such a I'm child. just putting uh I'm putting all my stock in the fact mm. that it's birthday weekend.
1: Anyway, um Martin's elderly relative that he goes and stays with is that a good
0: That's yeah? a good compromise.
1: Fine. Fine. Uh he has all the beliefs from the old country which i'm immediately loving so basically he keeps mentioning the old country so it's like eastern european vampire lore. there's strings of garlic hanging off the uh off the doors there's like crosses everywhere um he's very very strong in his beliefs and he honestly believes that martin is a vampire and that there is like a family curse or a family shame um where there are people throughout the generations that have been cursed with this and that they basically have to do what they can to try and wipe it out Um, and it's clear that like Martin you know we've already seen him attack someone um, that he's clear that he has some problems but the whole thing is them basically arguing over like what is actually happening here so we're trying to work out throughout the film whether he is actually a vampire whether he's just you know like your run of the mill Uh, sex attacker horrible person or you know whether because of him being brought up in this world in this family where they there are people who have these beliefs that there are like members of the family who are vampire killers that it's just got so soaked into his brain that it's actually turned him that way so
0: so yeah I think that let's get down to like what it is Mm. um it's basically for my mind It's kind of like a a meditation on the nature of evil. So basically the whole thing is, as Kirstie said, is he a vampire or is he uh, kind of like a mixed up, troubled, and by mixed up and troubled, I mean seriously fucked up and Uh. deranged uh, kid with a lust for blood. Um, And I think that's kind of like what the whole movie uh, kind of is about. Um, There's straight off the bat, we said we said about the kind of grimy seventiesness of it. There's you know, I love those three original George Romero dead movies, but immediately there's a bunch of stuff in there that I'm seeing in this movie where I think, Oh, this is really cool, it's something that I've not really seen before in a George Romero movie. There's a really great uh bit of the beginning when he's attacking the woman in the train car, when um it kind of switches to black and white mm. um which i immediately i found really interesting uh basically as he's about to break into this woman's sleeper cabin it flashes into like this nice grand baroque r- romantic vampire style you know the kind of um she's bram having... stoker and yeah. she's holding like a candelabra and she's also like got her chemise unbuttoned and like beckoning him like martin martin like it's you know kind of like the the normal like fantasy vampire and then it cuts to back to what you would consider to be what's really happening and it's just like some dirty grimy train in the 70s and not only is the woman not there beckoning him to come in she's also just flushing the toilet and she's got a face, face mask, mask on, yep. and so it's kind of like the most unflattering kind <laughs> of uh, position <laughs> that you like could unsexy. find. Just uh, yeah, it's like, Ooh, yes, like oh yes. But that kind of like flitting between um, the kind of fantasy and reality, I think is something that's really, really interesting in this movie. Mm. I think uh, the black and white is kind of really ambiguous. There's there's part of you that thinks, and it becomes kind of they play it up more and more as the f- movie goes on. Is this um is this his uh like flashback is he remembering things that happened to him back in the old country you know like I said he think, he thinks he's eighty four years old so is this stuff that happened to him eighty mm-hmm. years ago back in the old country or is this just kind of uh the inner work yeah exactly the fantastical inner workings of like a deranged lunatic's mind kind of like trying to justify it to him or himself or kind of paint what he's doing in a more romantic romantic kind of light yeah Um,
1: i mean um it actually turns out that romero wanted like sort of played with the idea of the whole film being in black and white but the producers were like "Mm, we don't really want you to like experiment with with this so he sort of compromised by doing like the flashbacks and the sort of fantasy scenes and things like that in in black and white which gives so much more of like a stark you know this is this is the real stuff that's going on. And this is the stuff that is either going on in Martin's head or has happened in Martin's past. And it, it's just sort of flitting between the two of them. And you see it so much better later on. There's, like, the scenes with the police. Where you've got, like, the sort of real-life police um, uh, coming after Martin. And uh, it's sort of interspersed with, like, the, the classic, you know, torch-wielding, pitchfork, outraged villagers, like, coming after the vampire from, like, the classic classic novels and books and films so it just that just worked really well for me that was the one of the bits that i really really liked
0: i was um so in love like you know we're skipping around and jumping back and forth which is what we always kind of do but that kind of like end sequence that last kind of 10 15 minutes of the movie where it Mm. kind of breaks into like a final showdown or a set like that finale set piece i absolutely Mm. loved it really did kind of like spin that romantic vision of the vampire completely on its head whereas whereas it was you know pitchfork wielding torch wielding villagers it just becomes like crackheads and gangsters and like yeah exactly and i was i was i loved it um but like i said i was saying before stylistically some really cool interesting things there's lots of weird lenses i guess they use like there's some weird kind of like fisheye lens they use right at the start when uh when Cuda is, like, bringing uh, Martin to the house, which I was, you know... No, I don't think not... I'd seen that. It's kind of oh, weird, because there's, like, back. a shot where you can kind of see the outline of the frame, almost like it's, like, a proscenium kind of thing, but I wasn't 100% sure what you were trying to go for it. It was definitely the most arty film of George Romero's that I've seen.
1: What's a proscenium? <laughs> <laughs> for, all the, for all the non-film school so, like, people pr- out there. So,
0: proscenium is, like, what you would see if you go to the theatre. So mm. it's kind of like the edge it's kind of like the archway of the stage. Ah, so and if okay. anything you hear like proscenium, that's that's basically what okay. it means.
1: Thank you. I for went that. to
0: university. You did. <laughs>
1: um I really liked it. I mean there's there's been a lot of um like I mean this is this is sort of my you know my my take on the the whole vampires in media, so in films and books and things like that. There's always I always find it really, really interesting because, uh, you know, the the original vampire kind of thing was almost a commentary on like STDs and stuff like that. This is, you know, and then you've got like um, if you've read uh, like the del Toro Chuck Hogan um, trilogy of books, which is The Strain trilogy which was made into a not very good TV show sorry for any fans out there mm. but they kind of went on it being like that that vampirism is like a virus so it's like spread between people almost like zombies um this is more like vampire as sexual predator so there's no real like romanticism there's no hypnotism there's no seduction that you know from like the confidence of the vampires that you know from books and films. It's literally like an awkward kid. One of the first scenes where he cuts the woman's arm in the train carriage was actually, it was actually a mistake, but they decided to keep it in where he actually cut into the arm, like the, you know, the fake arm. And he does it the first time and it doesn't go deep enough. And he does it the second time and that, and that's enough for, you know, like for it to start to bleed. But they decided to keep it in because they were just like, he is literally an awkward kid doesn't know what he's doing but he just knows that he has to go and do this you know that's uh, his, it's like interesting you said
0: that because when because i wrote <laughs> down in my notes that um i thought that was like a double take like they shot the same thing twice and it was almost like a ex like go still leading into that expectation versus reality thing where you know in the in the the old movies or the book it would be a tiny little nick and then th- there would be no like real gore like spurting out everywhere Mm -hmm. it would just be like a tiny little paper cut and then they would just suck the blood from it Mm. but then in the second take it's like
1: gory mess yeah well
0: like pisses out oh he almost looks panicked like how much blood is coming out i literally wrote
1: like red painty blood because it was very red paint it's got
0: that awesome awesome tom savini george romero like post the paint like remember when you're a kid yeah. like a yep. real thick like poster paint you kind can't of style see through it
1: at all it's just literally red
0: yeah it's i love great. it but but going back to what you're saying uh like on the style of vampire this is one where i almost like didn't know what it was because which which is not a bad thing it's almost a good thing i wrote it's such an interesting original take on the vampire yeah um the only thing i could almost really compare it to is like let the right one in was like I'd literally never seen vampires treated in the way that they're being treated in this movie. Um I found it so interesting that I kind of um it almost made me think of like the serial killer arguments yeah. where it's like is it nature or nurture. So I think basically skipping towards the end kind of you think to yourself, well if he's a vampire and he's doing all these things because he's a vampire it kind of gives him a bit of an out and as a character that we can kind of sympathise with. Whereas if he's um, like a kid who's like this intruder, this like in- aggressive intruder, like a predator. Like I said, he like stalks his prey. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, it completely changes the kind of your view of the character. Yeah. And. To it's, me, like, that weirdly
1: was... likeable in a weird way. Like, not likeable, like, you wouldn't want to hang out with him, but you kind but... of, you feel for him in yeah, a weird yeah. way. Because it's, like I said, I think it still harks back to, you know, he's been literally told this for his entire life by his, like, weird family that they're all just, like, you you are, like, you're evil. You're, you know, and you're travelling. And I think, like, his um his relative, his relative uh Tatakuda uh, Tata says to him at one point when he comes in when he first comes into the house he's just like i am going to um save your soul so presumably exercise him as they like you know showing the flashbacks of you know people flinging holy water on him and holding candles in the shape of a cross and then he says you know i i'm going to i'm going to do that for you and then i'm going to destroy you so it's almost like he has been sent on this trip to go and stay with his with his relatives um and you know he's got on, he's gone on that journey from been sent on it by his family because he's a young young guy I'd say he's like what like early 20s Um, yeah. and it's like they've sent him to basically be like this is your final journey like you're going to go and stay with him and then eventually we're going to exercise you and then we're going to kill you and that's the end that's what I took from it anyway yeah
0: yeah for sure it's definitely like mm. I said even if you view it that way it's 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 that, like I said, that that nurture, yeah, part of the serial killer side. And It's like, well, if you're telling this guy that he's no good and he's a murderer and that he's a deviant, then he's probably going to grow up to be a no good murderer yeah, who's a I deviant. Mean,
1: one of the one of the things that I thought was kind of weird, like I I'd, I'd immediately written down that because um, there's certain parts in like the first attack, I think in one of the other ones as well, where he actually. Um, after he's you know done what he's done he's he's drugged them he's done you know had his way with the with the woman and and everything and he's drunk their blood he lays down with them and he puts their arm around them and everything and it's like this weird intimate you know like he's imagining that they are together and everything and i immediately wrote down like jeffrey dharma but this was like pre-dharma this was pre night stalker richard ramirez who you know like broke into people's houses and like crept around at night and stuff and i just got all of those feelings from it but it was actually like pre those guys so yeah it was um
0: let's just talk about those um those the, the death scenes the murder scenes mm. um i found them real disturbing yeah. i've got to say there was in in, in i guess all of them Yeah. all of the murders there was some kind of like breaking and entering mm. kind of aspect to it and it was always really frenzied um but then they kind of juxtaposed that by the fact that Martin was like oh don't worry don't worry You're just gonna go to sleep You're just gonna go to sleep but everything he was doing was so violent and brutal um I found the uh, the scene where so basically Cuda takes him into the house and he says, "If people start going missing or they start being attacked around uh, don't, don't go near Pits- the Pittsburgh, then you, you know we're going to have some we're going to have a problem." And for a while he kind of sticks to that, um, but then as he says uh, in a scene uh, where he basically starts to talk to a radio host, a radio DJ host um, <laughs> on the phone, he starts saying, "You know that." i start getting the shakes and i start to feel weak and i have to do something so you know he he uh, gets these feelings and he decides to go out and attack this this woman who he sees but as he breaks into the house he realizes that she's uh, that she has a lover with her <gasps> um
1: and there's na- there's naked there's nakedness
0: yeah so is this our first nakedness yeah. yep yep
1: For- so <laughs> I
0: was gonna, I was gonna give it some sort of award, but there you go. I feel That's like that would sound... just be cr- no, just crude. It's, um, <laughs> it's
1: pretty gross considering the, consi- uh, like the,
0: uh, the yeah, what happens? It's yeah, not, it's what, not sexy. It's not sexy. Um, so yeah, but that scene where he breaks into the house and has to fight off um, uh, the the big... lover and and the woman <laughs> is I don't, why? Why are you laughing at lover?
1: No, it was like the big. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was the uh, the like big shirtless seventies dude wearing his like flared jeans and stuff, and he's like storming around the house looking for Martin, who's just like haplessly like.
0: like... You say haplessly. I feel like he showed like some because at various points in the f- film, people basically accuse Martin of being uh, like simple and an idiot. He's he does it really cleverly, mm. and to the point where I think this is not Martin's first rodeo. He says to the DJ, as he's talking to him, oh, I used to be bad at this, but as as soon as I started to plan it out more and use the needles and the syringes and the drugs and stuff, I got much, much, much better at it. And yeah, I learned to come...
1: The DJ's like, the drugs? Yeah. What?
0: <laughs> and, and he basically says, I just got much better at it. I learned to hide my crime so people would never know anything's gone on. Mm. Which made me think that... Which is kind of what was really chilling about it. That made me start to think oh he's not like a sparkly vampire mm. you know maybe this guy is just a serious deranged he, nutbag yeah, i
1: mean i did notice i think one of the bits i noticed where he was saying you know about hiding his crimes and stuff if you look at the train carriage one he like moves around some uh some pills out of a prescription bottle he's he's cut the um uh cut the woman's arm with a razor blade and things like that and literally like plans it out so it looks like it was a suicide or a suicide attempt because we don't know her fate basically like whether she whether she survived or not Um and uh yeah so he is like cold calculating but again you don't I don't think you hate him you feel like you feel like he's just been like driven to this by like his crazy family I honestly well, feel I think... like they are like Partly responsible, at least.
0: The thing is, in the moment of watching it, I definitely agree with you. But I feel like when you look back in the cold light of day, that it definitely starts to become.
1: Um, He's much, got mental. Yeah, problems.
0: there's definitely you. Definitely start to shift a lot more blame onto him. Um, I think part of that is to do with the actor whose name is John Amplas. John
1: Amplas, yeah. John so, Amplas ended up. Um, the what they were originally going to do when Romero wrote this was he wrote it that it was going to be an older vampire who was struggling to sort of fit in and survive in like a modern world so they'd been around for a long time and they were finding it hard to you know get on with what they were doing um but he saw um john amplus perform somewhere or maybe audition i'm not sure and was so taken with him it was just like this is great so they actually rewrote it for him as a younger vampire who was just trying to find his way in the world essentially but he ended up being in like dawn of the dead day of the dead creep show um night riders and things like that the thing is i've seen a lot of romero's i've
0: seen a bunch of those movies and i just do not remember him in them Mm, so he's like uh, a
1: doctor in one of them so he's not like one of the major people he probably would have had maybe like a couple of lines but (laughs) we'll keep an eye out with them because we have got dawn and day on the list
0: and also i i feel like it kind of adds to adds to the believability of it because if it was like and brad pitt uh, or (laughs) not even brad pitt you know because you know he's like he's like a leading man but if it was like william h macy as then you think well i know that's william h macy the fact that you don't know this guy like you've never seen him in anything before it it kind of makes him there's something slightly off kilter about him he has this really good knack of like kirstie said like balancing that sympathetic and also really chilling that there's something about his face which is really kind of like treads the line between being really horrifying and like oh he's just a normal guy that you would totally ignore if you saw on the street
1: he doesn't have that like there's no point in this film where you see him do that evil stare or the (laughs) cold killer stare he's got like a goofy kind of face and the bit where i was saying about him being like sort of hapless or whatever is like if you watch him while he's running throughout any of it like you are we're we're conditioned to know that like vampires and things like when you think of the classic vampire is they are you know really composed unless they're killing or feeding or whatever but they are like fully confident in what they're doing they would never trip and stumble or something like that you know they're they're like fully composed whereas martin like he's literally when he runs or you know when he's like moving around or whatever he's just literally like arms and legs he's like a goofy (laughs) kid who hasn't quite grown into his body yet and that's where i got that from like he knows exactly what he's doing he's not fantastic at it um and uh yeah he just sort of like i just have visions of him you know sort of like flapping around and like when he's running like slams into walls and stuff like that in houses when he's like trying to run away and he's just not quite got that composure that you imagine if you were like this guy's a vampire you're like really is he
0: Uh, one thing i just just thinking back on something you just said about how he never has the evil look or does the he doesn't he doesn't look... You know, like Willem Dafoe is in that movie where he plays uh, Nosferatu, <laughs> where where basically it's like, if you were to think of a real life, like, this guy looks like a vampire, you would think of someone like... I would think Willem Dafoe. Yeah, like yeah. Willem Dafoe or Just someone like angular. This guy does This guy does not look like that. But there is a great, great scene where um, uh, Kuda basically invites this old-timey priest around to perform an exorcism on Martin. <laughs> And Martin's having none of it, he kinda gets bored of it and just like busts out of the room. But then like in a little sequence after that, Kuda uh like goes out onto the streets of uh of of Braddock and they really paint it up and make it seem like it's a real classic, like Hammer Horror style, yeah, like, like fog the fog, oh, the fog machine budget must have been. At, like, <laughs> this is the day, guys. The ten we've we've cleared Pennsylvania out of all of its fog machines, and they're all in on for this one day. But basically, it's it's uh, Cuda kind of like wandering the streets, and there's shadows and Kids fog. Playground. Yeah, like it's like an old creepy chime song goes... You know what I mean? There's all that kind of real standard stuff. Mm. And then he sees Martin and Martin is wearing like a cape and he's got some kind of like... uh, he, He looks much paler than normal and he's got fangs. So at some point you think, oh my God, is was it all true? Is Martin actually a vampire? But then as soon as you see him closer up, you realise that he's just fucking with Kuda and he's basically saying, look how stupid the thing that you believe really is. Look how how crazy and daft and ridiculous I look in this in this outfit. Mm. And then he just starts laughing at him, basically. But, which I thought was a really great, effective scene. Yeah,
1: throughout the whole thing, he is basically saying, like he, he like Martin refers to it as the magic. Like this whole belief from the old country and the belief in vampires and things like that he refers to it as the magic and he always says the magic isn't real the magic doesn't exist he's not saying that vampires don't exist it's just they don't exist in the way that kuda thinks they do so he's he's like all of this stuff and he speaks he speaks to the radio dj about it later on as well he's just like all oh, the ladies that's not true uh, uh, that doesn't happen and it's like well maybe I it, doesn't wish happen it to that. you." Wish pal- it yeah but like he talks about garlic and you know crosses and holy water and exorcisms and all that kind of stuff and he's like none of this stuff works but he never says that vampires aren't real so we think that you know he's got this belief that he is actually he is actually a vampire he is you know like he believes he's 84 years old that never really gets answered again i think that um that whole you know cousin grand uncle type thing makes me think that you know there there is that he could definitely be 84 years old it kind of it kind of gets left unanswered but you know he's he's he never if anyone said to him you know like our oh, vampire is real he never actually, you know, there's, there's no actual real answer from him I feel, him like, I feel
0: like in his mind he thinks it's true, but mm. as a viewer, did you think it was real? Like, did you think he is a vampire, or did you think no? Mm,
1: I don't know. I mean, like, I went back and forth. I don't know if you did, like, whether they were gonna, whether it was just gonna be like a little twist at the end, or, or what, but I mean, I know that he definitely has, he has I mean not not just from the attack and everything else, because we haven't actually mentioned yet that like he has he has an affair after he has all these sort of intimacy things, you know, like he's got he's got those issues, he refers to it as the sexy stuff, like he's just really awkward. Um he has uh he begins like an affair with a woman who is like unhappy, like bored housewife, unhappy in her marriage. Begins a relationship and she is saying to him all the things that the people the women in the black and white fantasies would be saying to him you know she's just like at one point she says without him without knowing really what he does she was just like um you know she really loves the fact that he is so gentle and he's so patient and she's like i wish you could shoot me up with drugs and make me feel like that and it's like well I think
0: it's even better than that doesn't she say I wish I had what you had yeah and he's like some and he says I wish it was
1: catching I wish it
0: was catching and he says well some people say it is and then they start making out but then I was like oh I love that part but Uh, she
1: she felt like so much guilt at their affair and and everything and like you know just generally obviously like just, just depressed at her life and she ends up like he goes to her house later on and um he walks into you know walks into her house is calling for her walks into the bathroom and finds that she's actually killed herself and he's just with a razor blade as well and he's just standing in the doorway of the um of the bathroom no emotion whatsoever which again you know like it could go either way like you know vampires obviously don't really care about people dying and but like psychopaths sociopaths people with like no empathy whatsoever would also not give a shit if, the, if they were just like oh okay it's just a dead person there so it could be either way but then he speaks to the speaks to the radio dj about it and says you know like he didn't really didn't really care It's just like oh sorry that happened you know but it wasn't me but kuda does not believe that
0: so <laughs> so okay so if you think back to last week fair listeners we reviewed the mist which, um, f- when you read about online, it has maybe one of the most shocking gut-punch endings um, of all time in a horror movie. And then we watch Martin this week, which 100% just says, Oh, The mists. Shocking ending. Hold my beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did not see this coming. No. And when it happened, I was gobsmacked yeah. I was like holy shit yeah. the one thing unfortunately it did make me think of was that scene in Bart Simpson's Dracula when <laughs> uh, when Homer s- shoves the steak into Mr Burns uh, and he says D- die you foul fiends uh, and starts hammering it in and then Lisa said uh dad that's his crotch and because when he shoved it in I was like that's not where your heart is it was like real low it was like yeah, real so, low so
1: anyway Kuda Kuda basically doesn't sorry to ruin
0: the yeah, sorry, <laughs> ruin the sorry uh, the, but uh, the you the shouldn't tension. really
1: be watching this listening to this if you haven't watched
0: it I, was, I wasn't I was worried about spoiling <laughs> it I feel like if, you, if you're listening to this you should always watch the movie first but I was more worried about kind yeah. of uh, pointing out to everyone that's not where your heart is
1: but yeah true um, but Kuda Kuda believe the suicide um angle you know obviously she'd been found and it had been reported in the local news he was just like immediately this is this was martin so he comes into the room where martin is sleeping and he starts chatting to him about you know did you really think that i was going to believe that that wasn't you everything else i had the visions of it being like he gets dragged into the other room. They've got everyone from their congregation, their small congregation of their church is there. They're all like th- holding crosses and throwing holy water at him and everything. And that it would be closer to the flashbacks that we'd seen previously, that maybe that was him seeing what his fate was going to be and that there was going to be people there with candles and and, uh, and garlic and everything else. But um, he literally he just comes in and goes, I gave you a chance, now... That's that's it basically. Rolls him over and hammers a stake through him, and it is brutal, but yeah, so it's good. real good. It's, it's so it's, good. it's
0: kind of unlike a lot of Tom Savini special effects. It doesn't look as like fantastical. No, it looks it's a little bit more
1: practical, isn't it? In a but it way. but
0: it looks kind of more realistic. It doesn't look like that real cartoony Tom mm. Savini violence that sometimes you're used to. Um, and like I said, I wonder if it's just because it's not him trying to say, look how fucked up and gross I can make this look. Um, isn't this fun? It's, it's probably happening to some, t- some, you know, some side character, like the guy in Dawn of the Dead who gets his arms ripped off and all those kinds of things. When it's the main character who you've been kind of having these mixed feelings about, um, mm. whether you feel sympathy for them or whether you think they're a horrific monster, uh, and then he just gets a stake hammered through his chest and it's not like he bursts into flames or he turns into dust he literally just starts bleeding out and dies um and then they have this real um super super downbeat ending where they play um the the radio dj who they've been who martin's been speaking to the whole time calls him the count and basically for him uh Martin has been like uh like ratings blockbuster so he's like bought loads of new listeners and everyone loves it. And then when he's not been phoning in for a while, everyone's like, Where's the count? Where's the count? Where's the count? And basically there's a there's like a montage of all these people phoning up with their theories on what's happened to him. But it's all uh interspersed over um CUDA basically burying martin in the back garden like uh um, you know i mean with a with a crucifix on top and then throwing uh grass seed on top so it's like well that's the end of that yeah but, it's a real real dark down ending.
1: <laughs> but it just made me think like he's got that little plot of land is this the first person because he mentions the family previously like he's got like a photo album with all these pictures of like old black and white and sepia pictures of like family where he's explaining like the curse and the family shame and how we're trying to get rid of it and everything. So I was immediately thinking like, is this little plot of land? Like is this is Martin the, the newest in a long line of people from their family who have been sent out to Braddock, Pennsylvania and are buried in that plot of land
0: i think it is i think it's the first one i was i I feel did i not hear that the only reason that he went out there was because the people that were looking after him previously had died
1: i don't know i think that's what i think that's what i
0: think that's what i read and they don't
1: place a lot of interest on uh, not interest but a lot of um impact on that so like i said i read it as he got sent out there and the reason he got sent out there was because he is a vampire but it's in a similar vein to, you know, there's a problem child, and like the people who were looking after him previously, in in like it could be in any film, there's a problem child in the family, and there's no one to look after him. Everyone's at their wits' end, and so they just send them off to, you know, some other town somewhere and put him to work and all of mm. that. So it could have been that, or it could have literally been, like I said, everyone else in the family, apart from Christina, the cousin who lives in the house that everyone else in the family is as, like, hell-bent on this is, you know, this is our family curse and we have to try and protect our family. So yeah. it's it's interesting.
0: Um, just before we start wrapping up the, the review part of it, I just want to mention a couple of things. First of all, soundtrack. Oof, loved it. Mm-hmm. So cool. I loved... That kind of, like... Um so when you think of like synthy horror movie soundtracks don't think of like the 80s style like it, this is a super super 70s style synth mm-hmm. horror soundtrack um think of uh like some of the weirder bits of music they have in dawn of the dead um because originally i was like oh goblin but it's not goblin
1: it's not goblin but no. they did do uh argento dario argento put out a version of martin which he called Wampir. Which we love.
0: Cool. Love um,
1: it. And uh, he actually redid the soundtrack, and it's all Goblin. Oh my god! I would so love we to have hear that. to try and find it. Yeah we'll, so, yeah, we'll
0: try and we'll try and find some clips of that and put it up online because yeah. I know uh, there's Goblin fans Goblin out there. Is so good. Um, but yeah, love that soundtrack. Love the um, love the cinematography of it as well. Like I said, it had that real kind of like down gritty taxi driver like. Cinema verite style of uh, of cinematography. There
1: were a few taxi driver esque bits. There's one bit where like he's obviously trying to work out. He's still trying to find. It's this whole. He's still trying to find his way into being, you know, a normal functioning member of society. So he decides to go to, like, a sex shop and, like, look at all the erotica and the books and the people that are that kind of thing. (laughs) I want to buy buy that
0: weird bed thing that he has. It's like a a weird, like, car, like a a bed car. And when you move it along, like, the people under the covers start, like... Night swimming, it was like uh, it was <laughs> sofa wrestling. I was, yeah, I was like, oh, that's awesome,
1: that's really weird. I want that. Um,
0: but so but that's a birthday the... present idea. If anyone out there is, uh, no, thinking...
1: no, no, we're good, we good. Unless it's, unless it's um, got screen time, unless oh, like it's like a screen use screen news, that would be great. But I wonder if um, it is, I wonder
0: like, if that thing exists anywhere. Let's try it... and find it, yeah, I'm sure. It
1: does um, it. but yeah, during that bit, there's like it's very taxi driver-esque, oh, yeah, there's like definitely. A saxophone, sleazy kind of sound and um yeah so like it works really well I'm trying to remember whether they did actually I think they didn't which made it even more intense the final staking scene Martin's death scene I don't remember there being any music
0: No, I think they just kind of let it lay there cold
1: yeah which makes it even more intense for me I I think no it makes it more intense for me like when they do that because if you've just got like real like incidental like like music over the back it kind of it can detract from it a little bit sometimes but if you just leave it like it's literally you are in the room with them, because there wouldn't have been any incidental music on in the in the background, or if you just had like a little radio playing a completely like unrelated music, or the DJ asking for the asking for the count like in the background, um, that's the only way that it would have been that it would have been better.
0: Um, so. Um... let's have a final opinion did you like this movie I think (laughs) the answer is pretty obvious (laughs) I really
1: like this movie I wouldn't say it shit me up I really Uh. liked it no I mean not in a like it's not good but it's not terrifying it's more just disturbing so to shit me up I mean it would give me like fear but I think it's just yeah it's a disturbing film definitely definitely worth a watch um please you know like let people know about it because i think it's just like there's a lot of people that have no idea that this film exists
0: i think i think when you say george romero a lot of people will know dawn of the dead night of the living dead but this film uh, apparently it was his favorite of all the films he made as well which i find really interesting because i can kind of see it because it's quite a kind of intimate personal film Mm. so i can 100 percent see why it would be his favorite um did it ship me up I don't know if it shit me up. It definitely disturbed like I said, yeah. those murder scenes were really disturbing. Yep. Um, it didn't didn't scare me, but I Love this movie. Love, love, love this movie. It fit it it slots into that seventies time when I feel like the best my favourite movies were coming out. Mm.
1: Um we have a lot of seventies on the list, so yeah, I'm yeah. quite excited about all the rest of them as well. So
0: But even even not even just horror, like I know I've said taxi driver like a fifty times already, but, <laughs> but movies of that kind of era and ilk, I, I feel like there was so much like daring stuff going on and people were trying new different things. Um, so yeah, for me, I give this ten thumbs up. Um, <laughs> did it shit me up? No, but it's definitely a disturbing piece. I just want to read this one little quote that I've got from uh, George Romero here that he that he gave about uh, that he gave about Martin. He said, "Martin is designed uh, that all of those supernatural monsters that are part of our literary tradition are in essence expurgations of ourselves." they are beasts we've created in order to exercise this monster from within us i tried to show martin that you can't just slice off this evil part of ourselves and throw it away it's a permanent part of ourselves and we'd better try and understand it um I which i feel like is very good sum up of, of what's going on it's basically you know um the evil within us all is it something that's kind of born from some magical uh, some magical origin that we can kind of try and cure and get rid of or is it something that's kind of like deeply ingrained within us all mm. um, yeah. but yeah I love this movie yep. and I hope that there's a lot would I it, let's just say now we're on a couple we're a couple down the list as well mm. 98 on the list
1: I'd uh, it's definitely for me it's ahead of, well I, we've already said that the mist is going to be 100 uh, in our estimations. Um, so far. Yeah. I I would, yeah, I'd put it ahead of um, the movies that we've done so far. Yeah, Whether I'd it agree. moves further up than, um, you know, like the ones we've got next week, which I'll let you know what we are going to be watching uh, next time shortly. But that's another movie that we haven't seen, so it's we're going into it pretty blind, which yeah. I'm looking forward to.
0: I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I enjoyed uh, The Mist, and I definitely enjoyed it more than I enjoyed The Babadook, which is not to say those movies aren't good. I thought they were both also great. Um, it's but just this slightly
1: one, less depressing than... <laughs>
0: I don't know. Is, is it less depressing? I mean... I feel like it's got such a downbeat ending. And the whole thing is like the whole thing is uh, they deal with isolation so much like how Martin's like this total outcast like I was thoroughly depressed on my birthday weekend so uh... sorry
1: <laughs> but, I mean all of the movies that we've, that we've done so far all deal with like outcasts and outsiders and us versus them and like maybe not then being it's, understood maybe then
0: it that. is literally just the style of it yeah. because those other movies are newer they've got better lighting they've got more attractive actors in them you know what I mean (laughs) like uh, I can't smell what's happening through the screen (laughs) when I can when I watch Martin we'll
1: we'll compare it to some of the other 70s I think 70s are are the other Romeros and stuff but I mean I love the fact that he said that it was one of his personal favourites and I would need to check up on like some of his other films but I mean it's not massively high budget um so
0: apparently the, the budget they had listed on the thing was like $250,000 but even then the producer said if we only really, we only really made it for a $100,000 and the only reason we said we made it for 250,000 was so that the next time we applied for budget that they would give us more. Yep. <laughs> it was like brilliant what so a genius really idea. Yeah,
1: I mean like the the police in the the, the police in the shootout scene were actual policemen. Um the uh, uh, again, like it might be his person it might be one of the reasons why it's his personal favorite. It might also be one of the reasons why um, it's uh, you know wasn't too massively expensive was that um, you know you've got Romero and various members of his family are in this film. So you've got Giorgio Romero um, himself is father howard who makes the lovely comment about the exorcist he was just like he's talking to um uh, about the um about performing an exorcism and he's like oh i've never done it myself and he seems quite like a modern kind of
0: hip yeah, happening he's like a hit, priest he's guy he's way more interested in the wine yeah. he's like way more like oh, where does this wine come from it's this good is wine, this yeah. good wine
1: uh so he plays he plays the priest uh who directs him towards the um the other priest who he reckons has already has done some of these sort of ancient rites and stuff like the exorcism right the exorcism priest is actually george romero's father-in-law
0: no way is it really who is
1: the father of christina the cousin in the house who was george romero's wife at the time
0: no way yes i did not know that there you go yay
1: and during the uh the wonderful stunt scenes at the end and stuff when you've got all the pimps and the drug dealers and everything like that that great scene where you've got the guy hitting the windscreen and rolling loads of times over the car. Tom Savini, of
0: course, <laughs> did <laughs> all his stunts and everything. One, great. There's two. I have two stray observations from this movie as well that I just want to go out on before. Before, have you got any more interesting no. facts? You want no. one? One of the guys in that pimp shootout scene is wearing the most stunning pair of knee high boots <gasps> I've ever he seen. Is! They are exquisite. If you saw they were, his top
1: <laughs> half, you'd be like, he's he just like wearing regular going, shoes, and then he's going to the, the baseball game, of, game. You know And what I mean? he's wearing like knee high. Pattern. They're like leather, red, they're, red like,
0: they're like ox... Boots. like a deep, Lacy's, deep, luscious ox blood colour. <laughs>
1: Once you see them, you cannot unsee them. They're amazing. But... And
0: there are also the other thing I have not down. There are not one, not two, but three men seen sitting on the toilet. Reading newspapers at different parts in the film, one of whom seems to have his trousers up while he's sitting on the toilet. And he's
1: just wanted a place to sit, you know. Well, I was like,
0: because then, because because that, that was right early on in the movie, and I was like, oh, is it implied that he killed that guy? Like he went and killed him afterwards? But no, it just he was just, 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 he was just a bit taking a taking a dump in his trousers with, <laughs> with, his, real, with, with
1: his trousers up. With his
0: trousers up. Don't don't do that. Yeah. um So yeah. So I think I think that wraps us up for for yeah. this week. Yeah, so totally sort of, loved w- it. Yeah, totally really loved it. Really, really want to know
1: your thoughts you, on it. If you
0: if you for some reason have managed to make it this far into the episode, and thought I've not seen this movie, I'd quite like to go see it. Uh, it's on YouTube. Just type in George A Romero Martin, and there are about three or four different uh, copies of it up yeah. there. and, and you can you go... also Kirsty. Yeah.
1: Yes, if you go to tinyurl.com/slash behind the sofa podcast, or go to. Um, facebook and instagram behind the sofa podcast um i've actually put a link up so you can actually get the youtube video is of martin full length um is actually on our website as well so you can watch it on there um at the same time you can uh let us know what you think um and uh yeah so I'm, I'm excited and I'm glad that we're now we're now properly starting our horror movie education yeah. with films that neither of us have seen and that we're now really enjoying so we are ready for next week are you ready for next I'm week? I'm so
0: ready for next week Okay,
1: so next week is uh, Larry Cohen's 1976 movie God Told Me To so the little bit that we've got about that is that there are a spate of murders that, that um, there's a detective that's investigating it every single person who has committed one of these murders said that God told them to And that's all we know.
0: So Larry Cohen is like a name I've heard mentioned echoing down the (laughs) the halls of horror. I don't think I've ever seen a Larry Cohen movie because I know he wrote I think he's more of a writer than a director. Mm. He He has
1: stuff. That's the only one that I remember from where we were discussing it previously. I think he also did It's Alive, which
0: has an amazing front cover. Um, But yeah, I'm so looking forward to this. Um, And if you keep on with us on uh, our social media, we can let you know uh, where you can find uh, copies of it to watch. I'm pretty sure there's also a full-length version of it up on YouTube. So if you don't feel like you want to go and rent it from Amazon or somewhere like that, um, you can definitely go get it from YouTube. Or if you wanted to buy it, Kirsty... Yeah,
1: if you wanted to buy it, then you can go to, um, again, tinyurl.com slash um, which has got all of our episodes um, and where you can listen to them. But it also has our own uh, horror movie store and horror bookstore. So any purchases that you make through those links there that will take you straight to Amazon to where you can purchase it, anything you buy um there'll be a little bit of a percentage of it which will go back to us won't cost you anything extra but it will help us massively with putting the podcast together so as a thank you in advance for that
0: uh, and make sure you go and give us a, a rate and subscribe on anywhere that you listen to the podcast so soundclouds uh, spotify itunes youtube uh just give us a thumbs up and a comment and uh, we'll talk to you we're really nice mm. uh but um, i think that's it yeah Thanks very much. Uh, from behind the sofa, my name's Ollie,
1: and my name's Kirsty. And from behind the sofa, good night.
0: Oh I really cocked up that ending. Sorry. Bye. <laughs>